everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Online Warriors podcast. My name is Nerd Bomber, and I am one of your trusty hosts for this episode. And I'm joined here by my co-host and very good friend, Tectic. I'm back, folks, and won't be gone for a long, long time again. So while Tectic is back this week, we are missing Illegal because he took a week vacation. So I hope he's enjoying his time off getting some nice rest and relaxation. But there's a lot of stuff that's been happening this past week. We got a look at a lot of new upcoming games from Ubisoft with Ubisoft Forward. We saw some new games from Devolver, from Devolver Direct. And we have a fun and exciting new announcement about a book that some of you may know because it was adapted into a very big movie. Ready Player One is getting a sequel. So we're going to jump right into it and start off with the Ubisoft Forward event. Now, overall, this event was kind of taking the place of the typical Ubisoft, Ubisoft, however you want to say it, um, taking the place of their typical E3 conference. So this was a 45-minute long event where they ran through a bunch of new games. The first one that they really focused on that we'll talk about is Watch Dogs Legion. So this presentation kind of started with a movie that really didn't show any game footage at all. And then they started showing some gameplay footage of a little bit of the story. Uh, they explained that the story is based in London. And London has basically fallen to a private military force after a terrorist threat. And there is also a black market kind of kingpin who you also have to take down. So basically fighting these three different forces to take the city of London back. And they showed a little bit of gameplay where, again, they focused on being able to recruit any player that you can come across in a game. And every character that you come across in the streets of London will have their own sets of strengths and weaknesses and may set them up to be good and useful for various types of missions. And they kind of showed a little bit of the different missions and how that would look if you played them as different characters. So, Tactic, what did you think of this entire presentation of Watch Dogs Legion? So I played Watch Dogs, the original one, and I tell you, it had it looked like it had all of the things that you loved about Watch Dogs with the hackings. There was some drone hackings with some of the players that you can be, and actually it looked like most of the players that you can be had some form of a drone slash robotics hacking ability which is again awesome and then the the ability to really customize every player is something that it seemed like they added on to it that i really really liked and got really excited about additionally the personalities i just absolutely fell in love with the uh the stereotypical drunk irish guy the construction worker with the pipe wrench just whacking people just the the wonderful stereotypes that each and every character had that that made them kind of their own just I fell in love with and I'm absolutely excited for this particular game yeah one of the things that I thought was super interesting was as they were going through all of the different player types that you could recruit to your team and that you could play as they really fleshed out for each individual character what you could do with them and what their combat style was like it really didn't seem like uh, a single player was alike in the game because like you mentioned the construction worker he was able to use his nail gun to shoot at people and obviously at the pipe wrench and was just like whacking people whereas then they showed a drone expert who kind of battled more from afar and hacked into drones and didn't really get down in the nitty-gritty action of hand-to-hand combat and they even had 
obviously we saw another clip of the the old lady that you could recruit to the team and i'm really interested to see because they didn't really show combat with her they just kind of showed that she, she was, snuck up and tased them that was awesome yeah so like i want to see what she'll be able to do but it was really unique and i think this will really open the game up to the different possibilities and the different play styles. I think it's a it's a really big undertaking and I'm kind of curious to see if they'll pull it off well because a lot of the times in a lot of these games, gameplay is so critical. Stories are great, but especially in, in a game like this where a lot of the immersion seems to be the ability to recruit your own team and kind of customize the game to what and how you want to play it. I'm really interested to see if they'll be able to really nail down all of these different styles of gameplay because we've seen in games that focus on even one single style of gameplay, they don't always get it right. So having all of these different options where you can melee, where you can be this amazing assassin hitman who has amazing shots, you can hack into drones. I mean, we know they pretty much got the hacking down from the previous games, but I'm just kind of wondering and skeptical if they'll be able to nail it on all of these different play styles. And I'm kind of hoping they do because I feel like they've spent a decent amount of time on this game. I feel like we've been hearing about it now for at least a year, if not more. So it's it's had some development time to mar- marinate. But that's just one of the things that I'm kind of concerned about. But overall, I'm pretty stoked. It looked really cool. Another thing that I got excited that they're staying true to is the mass exploration. We even got a hint that there may or may not be a boat full of cats somewhere hidden in this world. So be exploratory, be exploratory with both the world as well as the players and kind of make it your own. That's that's what gets me most excited about these types of games is the fact that my place playing experience is going to be far different than Nerd Bomber's playing experience. And like to your point too, when they talked about the level design and how much attention to detail they put into reconstructing the city of London, I really am hopeful, and I've never been to London, so I uh, honestly, I won't know (laughs) if the game is true to the actual geography and landscape of London, but I I kind of am hoping that we hear it's similar to what Spider-Man did for New York City, where it was at least relatively faithful to what the city actually looks like. I think they have a few less drones flying around, but maybe. (laughs) Probably, yes. But I mean, even just the ability when when I hear that a game studio has put a lot of attention to detail into replicating a city and especially now in, in these times, like I'm not going to be able to go to London anytime soon if I wanted to. So to me, it's kind of neat to know that a game has put enough detail in there where it kind of feels like you're actually walking around the real city and maybe I will find a boat of cats. Who knows? Boat of cats. Any other closing thoughts? Like, what did you think of the graphics of the game? Because this is the first time I think we've seen... No, we've seen gameplay before, but I mean, this is the most recent time, I guess, that we've seen any kind of gameplay. Any thoughts on that? I thought the graphics look were really well done. They did tout how they're going to be leveraging the latest console technology. They're, they did say the famous ray tracing buzzword so we can expect good quality lighting we can expect good quality graphics and overall i don't think we're going to be disappointed with this game so watchdogs legion they did announce that will be coming out this year october 29th 2020 they also did say as technic mentioned they will be leveraging the new consoles and they will be available so if you buy them on this current console generation you will be able to get the free upgrade to the ps5 or the xbox series x when those do release so safe to say that we're both pretty stoked about that the next thing 
that we saw in the entire event was Brawlhalla. And they announced that the game, which is your standard, I would say, brawler style game. It reminds me of Smash Brothers. It's a it's a free-to-play game that we've seen on console and I want to say PC, but I might be wrong on that. Um, but they announced that the game is now coming to mobile platforms on iOS and Android. And it will also have crossplay, so you'll be able to play with your friends who are on console. So that's going to be launching on August 6th. Tectic, have you had any experience? I'm not much of a, a brawler style. I don't really play Smash Brothers or anything like this. Any experience, any excitement behind this coming to mobile? Do you think you'll ever play it on mobile? So I was feeling really into playing a brawler because I really want to buy Smash Brothers, but I refuse to buy it because it's still full price and the game's been out forever. I don't so know if you'll ever get it for I, less I know. than this full is, price. This is a principal thing. <laughs> and so I really wanted to play something like that, so I downloaded this game. And I got to tell you, it just it, it didn't do it for me. And touting that it's going to a phone device, honestly, I, I'm not a big app guy. I can, I can give two flying floozies about app games. I feel like it would be very hard because the one thing that I do know from Smash Brothers and my limited experience with it, and I don't play it a lot because I'm not very good at it, um, it's a lot for me at least because I'm not super experienced and I only ever play it at other people's houses, is button mashing. And I well, really... That's, that's, I, that's the thing. The, the Everyone likes the Super Smash Brothers because they default to using the old GameCube controller because the... The button combinations are critical. When you try to do it on a Switch controller, it's just not the same. It doesn't it doesn't work as well. And and now you're gonna have this touch screen, which yes, they said that you can customize your 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 buttons on the screen, but you you lose that tactile feel. So so now you're even further away from what makes a brawler a good brawler and and it's inherently the controller in my opinion. I kind of agree with you there. I definitely do so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, it's a free-to-play game. I'm sure people will give it a try. I know they were saying that there will be free skins and stuff available at the launch date for iOS and Android. But that is coming. So if you are an app gamer and you do like Brawlhalla, now you'll be able to take it on the go. So after they showed a quick sizzle reel of Might and Magic Era of Chaos, they jumped right into a new game from the Tom Clancy franchise called Elite Squad. And this kind of looked like a very cool squad shooter. Um, a little bit more cartoony. The graphics looked a little bit more in the vein of something like Fortnite that we would see instead of something a little bit more realistic than I'm used to from Tom Clancy games. Uh, this We didn't really get a whole lot of detail. We didn't see any gameplay. It was a very cinematic trailer. We don't even have a release date, but Tactic, any thoughts? I mean, from what I saw, the trailer was done really, really well. If gameplay is anything close like that, I, I'm very much excited for it. I love the different class team shooter games. I mean, you guys all know me in Borderlands, one of my all-time favorite games to play with Nerd Bomber. And so if we're going to expect to get more things like this, and we all know the Tom Clancy franchise does well at shooters. That's, that's their bread and butter, in my opinion. And so... If we're to expect that level of quality in a shooting game, plus that kind of class system, I'm all for it. All right. So then 
After they showed off Elite Squad, they had another kind of little sizzle reel dedicated to Rainbow Six Siege. And it was kind of a celebration of the fact that they're going into their sixth year. They've hit 60 million players. And while we didn't really see anything new and it was just a celebration of the game, I will say it's super impressive that this game has stuck around as long as it has. It has an amazing fan base, it seems like. And it doesn't seem like they're going away anytime soon. I know one of the developers said that they're looking forward to being around for the next 10 more years. So I know, Tactic, I don't think you've played Siege at all, right? I have been around for a majority of the Rainbow Six everything. I, I was, I played the first one when it first came out. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of again, their, their shooting mechanisms, the, the team battles that they have going on. Um, and I'm not surprised that they've built such a community around it. And, and now more than ever, right? We're, we're getting into more e-sports e and things like that that are really becoming mainstream now. And so a game like this falls right into that genre. And it wouldn't surprise me that their, their group would grow more and more people would get into it. This is just, it's built for success in today's day and age, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, the crazy things to me, and not to get off on a little bit of a tangent, but especially in the world of esports, there are so many games that we see come and go in esports. And I feel like if you're a player, it's got to be super hard if you're at the elite competitive level on a world stage. It's got to be hard to continue to adapt to new games all the time. And I mean, that's what you do. That's what you spend your entire day honing your skill on. So when a new game comes out, like when Fortnite came out, we saw a lot of people switch over from one game and hop into Fortnite and become very successful. But I mean, I would say games like Fortnite and Rainbow Six Siege and CSGO are kind of the minority. Like, I mean, you look at Halo and that is constantly like every few years you have a new game that has slightly different mechanics and stuff like that. So to have a game like Rainbow Six Siege that is planning to stick around for a while with that team-based competition and that kind of will be a, a steady game for players to get into, I think that could really especially as we're getting more into esports and the realm of esports, I think that could do really great things in the esports arena. So speaking of competitive esports, Ubisoft had also previously announced Hyperscape, but they kind of elaborated on it in Ubisoft Forward. So they gave us a little bit of a cinematic story trailer, and essentially they explained that the world has gone to crap and everything is dreary and drudgery, and so the hyperscape in the game is actually the VR world, kind of like a Ready Player One, which we'll circle back to later in the show kind of deal. So it gives people a way to escape and get away from their crappy lives. And within the hyperscape, there is a battle royale, which is where the bulk of the actual game is going to take place for you and I and the actual real world players. So they showed us the story trailer, and then we got to see some brief clips of play. Um, showed some of the weapons and hacks, and they also made a point to say that Twitch viewers will be able to vote and add effects to the whole battle, which, if that sounds familiar to you, that is a mechanic that was similar to the Darwin Project, which was announced way back when, I want to say it was like last year or the year before. And so they also said that the open beta is actually launched, and the game will be free to play on PC. I think it's already one of the most viewed games on Twitch already. Tactic, what were your thoughts on this gameplay? So 
Honestly, I was kind of disappointed at this one. And the reason why is because when I first saw it, I was like, wow, this is kind of a really interesting story. I, I'm, I'm excited for this plot. And then I found it was just a Battle Royale online multiplayer game, which you guys all know that I prefer my single player stories or, or, or co-op stories, one that you get pulled into the story. And I'm just over Battle Royales at this point. And when I saw this originally, what it actually brought me back to was Need for Speed when you had to race against all these different computers. And if you won or lost, it would just, it would adjust your ranking independent of what happened in your race. And it would, it would change your progression in the game. And so something like that, I thought was like, wow, that's a really cool way to do a story that, hey, you'll have these battle royales and then over time, you're going to move up in the rankings, you'll get new cool gear. And this could be that kind of story, just a, just a different style, but it's online multiplayer. And I'm just not sick nasty like y'all are and i just won't be good at it (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i honestly think that would be a super sick battle royale take i don't know if i've seen something like that before where it is kind of like a progression in a single player story where even if you played online it would just kind of adjust your rankings i think you might be onto something there and if there are any developers out there in the world definitely hit up tactic to flesh out that idea because i would play that because i agree with you i think the battle royale genre it's not meant for people like you and me. I guess I I love gaming, but at this point in my life, I guess I am a filthy casual. Like I can't dedicate eight hours a day to perfecting it. I tried playing Fortnite and the barrier to entry at this point for Battle Royale and, and especially popular games. Like if you don't get it on the ground floor and if you don't learn those mechanics right away, it's so difficult to jump in later on down the road. And to me, this is just not very appealing. And I, I get that Battle Royale is the new rage right now. And like you have the Call of Duty Battle Royale, you've got Fortnite, you've got Apex. And it's just, I don't want it. Is that bad? I just don't want it. Like the entire world of this game looked cool. And they did show off in some of the gameplay, they showed that there were different hacks. So like you could be in this bouncy ball and bounce around the map and there were different the collectibles and stuff that you could alter the gameplay of the game and even like watching some of the guns and stuff that you could pick up the guns looked pretty cool like it reminded me of arena shooters back in the old days where the guns were just absolutely bananas and a lot of fun you know what i mean and then to just stick all that in battle royale i don't know that's just not my thing and it's not even that i don't like dying because I don't, I don't care. Because you'd love it. <laughs> well, it's just, for me, Battle Royale, the entire cycle kind of goes, okay, so I waited five minutes in the lobby for the game to start. Now, I know that if I die right away, I'm going to be kicked back to wait another five minutes in a lobby for a game to start. So then, I just do my damnedest to avoid everybody so I don't die right away. But I'm not really doing anything. I'm just trying not to die because I don't want to wait in the lobby. I miss the old school arena shooters where you respawned. And I mean, this, I guess it's not just arena shooters, but I just, I love a good respawn. This whole one kill and you're done thing, just not my style, not my Too real for me. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I like my video games to be fake and let me regenerate. Please and thank you. But I mean, it looked cool. It's already got a lot of viewers on Twitch. I'm sure this will be one of the next big things if it's successful like Apex Legends was. 
I mean, we, we always think, if you think Battle Royale, you think Fortnite immediately, but there are these new Battle Royale titles that are making waves when they launch. So I'm sure this will do very well for Ubisoft, but it's just safe to say it's not for either of us, right, Tech Tech? That's correct. So if that's not up your alley... Ubisoft kind of shifted their focus after they showed off Hyperscape and reverted back to a game that we've already seen a little bit about, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So they again reiterated the story where you're a clan chief and you can play as a male or a female and you leave to settle in England because Norway can't support your people anymore. And you get on a boat and you go to England to kind of create a settlement and you can raid and there's giant battles against the English forces and they showed a lot of in-game footage and a lot of stuff that you can actually do in the game. I know we've seen in the past a lot more like trailer type footage, but this they showed some of the massive assault battles. They showed some of the stealth and the exploration and they even showed some of the abilities to get in the menu system and dual wield any two weapons, which I know they had commented on before, but just reiterating how Basically, any weapon combination that you can think of, even if it's two shields, you'll be able to customize your character to wield those. So, Tactic, what were your thoughts on this expanded view of the gameplay for Assassin's Creed Valhalla? And I know that you have some Assassin's Creed experience. I don't have any recent Assassin's Creed experience, but I know you did play Odyssey. So what did this look like in comparison to Odyssey? What were your thoughts on the game? So it looked like it had a lot of the similar things. We saw the bird. You got to have the bird. We saw the stealth. We saw the epic finishers. Those are all things that we know and love for Assassin's Creed. One thing that stood out to me that I thought was really unique and I'm kind of excited to try is the raids. So in the raids, what you do as you're getting off your ship is you blow your little horny horn and all of your squad, hashtag squad goals, gets out of the ship and they attack the, the village or wherever you're trying to take over with you. And that that's a new mechanic, right? Because in Assassin's Creed, typically you're, you're just kind of doing things your own aside from the big setup battles. But like, those were like checkpoints in the map and everyone was already there. It wasn't like you're leading your squad to where you want to take over. What I'm interested to see is that specific only to raids or can you like bring your boys with you to like fight a fight a big boss or anything like that? I, I want to know if you can really kind of make this your own style of progression in the game. Um, the other thing that I found really, really cool is taking down large fortresses um it seen i they showed battering rams to take down doors that's new um and i'm wondering if the battering ram is just a small taste of various technologies and, and things that you can leverage um to take down will we have trebuchets i would love a good trebuchet please and thank you so those are the kind of questions i have those are the kind of things that it's leading me to believe we will see and then the final cool thing that I want to mention is a lot of the Norse mythology that they touched on. We saw some kind of lightning funky place. Oh man, I was super excited when I saw this. We saw Stonehenge. We saw all sorts of different puzzles and things like that that lead you to believe that maybe I'm going to be yielding lightning. Maybe your boy Thor is going to show up. That would be awesome. Again, please and thank you. Yeah, I would say that was probably one of the things that got me the most excited when we were watching this 
game preview. I know we had talked about this when Assassin's Creed Valhalla was announced, but one of the things that I think we all kind of wanted in our last discussion was, as we said, the ability to kind of call on, you know, the God of Thunder, give me my magic lightning hammer. You know what I mean? I'm not super versed in Norse mythology, but that's pretty cool. And I don't know that Assassin's Creed has really gone into that realm. Like, I know they've had the birds and whatnot, but for the most part, there's not really magic in Assassin's Creed. I don't think that's ever really been the realm that Assassin's Creed has played in. And I mean, that's not the only kind of new thing that we've seen in this preview. As you mentioned, we have the battering ram scene where there's going to be this massive battle against, it looks like a castle or a fortress. And to me, like that seems like a kind of a big departure from Assassin's Creed because I gotta be honest, showing up with a giant battering ram doesn't scream assassin to me. That seems like, hey, look at me. I'm coming over here to kill you. That's not super stealthy or anything like that. So uh, again, that kind of leads me back to our last discussion where I don't know necessarily that I want this to be an Assassin's Creed game. I'm I understand there are Assassin's Creed purists who are kind of with me, but this just doesn't seem like an Assassin's Creed game. It seems like they kind of shoehorned this into the Assassin's Creed franchise, but like this could have just been a badass standalone Viking game. And I hope it is. I hope it is more badass standalone Viking game and it just happens to say Assassin's Creed. That would feel better to me than a badass Viking game where they are like forcing assassin's creed in down your throat and i I just don't i don't want anything down there (laughs) are you sure yes (laughs) um i will say though the game overall looked pretty gorgeous i know they did say again that this game you will be able to upgrade it so if you buy it on xbox one or playstation 5 you'll be able to get the automatic upgrade to the next gen console when you buy that i think that that some of the scenery they showed in The clips looked breathtaking, very beautiful, great scenery. Looking forward to just playing through the game. I mean, I think that was pretty comparable, wouldn't you say, Tactic, to the glimpses, at least, I saw of you playing Odyssey. Like, very cinematic setting, right? Yeah, the world building in these games are absolutely critical, right? They're they're always in historical kind of landmarks, and they never disappoint on the breathtaking scenery that you achieve in in all of these games honestly i'm just kind of looking forward to this because besides god of war i don't really know that the viking genre has been super tapped into in terms of video games so i am looking forward to this it might be one of those games where we buy it and you play it and it just sits on my shelf like all of the other assassin's creed games because i just at this point i feel like i need to go back and just start from scratch but who knows Anyway, they announced that the game will be coming out November 17th, 2020, so get ready for that. You're going to have to go and run through um, Watch Dogs Legion, which will be coming out. I I do think it's interesting that the release dates of the two games are so close together because they seem like they're going to be these big, sprawling games, and having that overlap and kind of competition I don't know if that's a great thing, but then again, we don't know where the world will be come late October, early November. So maybe we'll have all of the time in the world to play. Yeah, we'll be stuck inside. (laughs) So before they showed their last major reveal, one of the things that I thought was very interesting was after this 45 minute show, 
the I believe it was the CEO, they announced that there's going to be another upcoming Ubisoft Forward where they're going to reveal even more. And honestly, kind of to be expected, there are some games like Beyond Good and Evil 2 that we didn't see anything from. And especially as we're getting towards the next generation of games, I'm not that surprised that there is another showcase coming up. It does feel a little weird and I don't know, tactic. Maybe it's just me, but this entire summer of gaming, usually I feel like it's all very condensed in that one week of E3. And this just feels like there is stuff coming at us all the time. I think it makes sense, right? They're doing this, they'll get more people showing up for the viewings, which I don't know if there's any kind of YouTube ad revenue stuff. And maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but um, doing it this way allows them to get kind of more hits on their content and because they're not selling tickets or anything like that in this time. So maybe there's some kind of financial strategic benefit to it. I'm not really sure, but I'm fine with it because now we have weekly stuff to cover and I don't get really condensed in one week, which is great. That is a very good point. Yeah, our E3 episodes are usually like a marathon, just trying to cover as much as we possibly can. So yeah, it is. it has been nice this year to be a little bit more spaced out. So the final kind of thing, I, I wanted to say nail in the coffin, but it wasn't the final surprise of the showcase. And this game had actually been leaked a little bit before the showcase, but it was still kind of neat to see an official announcement and an official trailer was Far Cry 6. And the thing that stood out to me is that it's starring Giancarlo Esposito. You might know him. He's in The Mandalorian. He showed up at the very end of The Mandalorian. Um, He's in Breaking Bad. Man, he's in a lot of stuff. He's probably like everyone's favorite bad guy at this point. And the reveal trailer is showed the game is going to be set on a fictional island that looks like it's kind of inspired by Cuba. I did Google the island is going to be called Yara. And essentially Giancarlo Esposito is the leader of this country and he is showing his son or trying to teach his son what needs to be done to keep a hold of the people of the country as they're rioting and basically demanding liberation outside of their it looked like it's not a castle per se but like their white house equivalent for this country and honestly this looked really good it gave me some very serious, like, kind of breaking baddish type vibes. I mean, he is a great bad guy. He's very chilling, very just intense. And I'm very excited to see what he will do in this game, what he'll bring to it with his acting. This is probably the first time I've been excited about a Far Cry game. I think the last one I played was Far Cry Primal. And I'm, I'm, I'm digging this. I'm really into this. Tectic, what did you think? I mean, all of the Far Cries have really been known for their immersive story. And this trailer absolutely did not disappoint. It it, it followed suit. It it had a captivating story. It 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 made you sit on your I mean, was he gonna drop the grenade? Was he I wanna know and and it's gonna I'm gonna lose sleep, I just know it. And so as long as they're staying true to that and they did this story is not going to disappoint. This game is not going to disappoint. Keep it up, Far Cry. I'm ready for number seven. This is honestly like when I was watching the trailer, I was like, this is how bad people are raised because the poor kid just wanted to build this model car, man. 
yeah, like, leave him alone. Let him listen to his music and make his car. Don't give him a grenade. Why are you doing that? Bad. Bad parenting. <laughs> Don't give your kids grenades when they just want to make model cars, man. Don't do it. And then pull the pin. But it, it was very intense. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, I believe the game is slated to come out February 2021. And that kind of wrapped up the Ubisoft Forward event. A lot of cool stuff. What What do you think you're most excited about out of all of the things that we saw? For me, it's definitely Watch Dogs. I, I can't get any more excited about that story and about all of the capabilities that they're offering. I personally, I think I would agree. Um, I think um, that story also kind of interests me the most. I, I really liked the movie that they showed prior to that. I thought it kind of built up the anticipation for the game. Hopefully it's as good as it looks because I think that one I'd probably purchase pretty pretty close to launch date. I will say though, Far Cry 6 with Giancarlo Esposito, that is now up there. And I don't think if you would have told me prior to like two weeks ago that I would be excited about a Far Cry game, I would have laughed at you, but now I am. So before we move on to our next little bit, Um, We are going to take a quick break to get some words from one of our podcast friends, but we also want to give a quick shout out to our Patreon producer, Ben Checkness. We thank you so much for your support every week and every month. And if you want to be as cool as Ben and get a fun personal shout out, he gets to come on the show every few months and hang out with us and interact on an episode. He gets insight into picking our games every single week, early access to our episodes when I am on top of my editing enough to get it out early, and a lot of great benefits and perks, bonus episodes, and video vlog segments every month. If you're interested in any of that and want to support the show, we would very much appreciate it. You can find that at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. So now we'll take a little break. Hey everyone, my name is Josh and I am the host of the Still Loading Podcast. On Still Loading, I talk about retro and modern video games, video game history, as well as some goofy projects such as an episode of dramatic readings of video game manuals. I've also had composers like Austin Wintory, Andrew Prallo, and Chad Sider on to talk about their upcoming projects. New episodes are released every other Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to check out the show, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so we're back. And as we mentioned in our little intro, we have even more gaming news to cover. So without E3, obviously we have a little bit of a vacuum. And we had some announcements from Devolver in the form of Devolver Direct. Now, we're not going to go into every single game for this showcase just because I don't think we have time and we wanted to really delve deep into Ubisoft. But there are a few games that we did want to bring up and kind of mention. The first one was a side-scroller called Carrion that will be coming out actually later this month. So essentially this game, you're playing as this man-eating blob and you're going through these side-scroller levels and it looks like you can also control humans that you come across and basically you're kind of playing the bad guy in the story because you're eating humans. Tactic, what were your thoughts on this game? Okay, I haven't played a side-scroller in quite some time, but this is actually one that I am quite excited for and and I and I may very possibly play it. So 
as you mentioned, yes, you can you can stick on to people and 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 control them, but you can make yourself projectiles. You can fly. You can I think you can duplicate yourself. Like the the abilities of this creature are are astronomical, and for that alone, it looks like something that's very very exciting because it it, it doesn't seem like it's something that you'd very easily get bored of. Kind of like a like a one trick pony and then you're just the same crap over and over and over and over as you go through each level not with this game so it looks like it's got a ton of variability in the game you get to play as the villain which i'm always there for because i love a good alternate perspective and honestly it didn't look bad as far as size like it, it looked like a really compelling game and and i and i'm into it yeah i would definitely agree with you here i probably won't play it I'm not a big side-scroller. I don't know what it is. I think maybe I'm scarred because I just have memories of all of the side-scrollers back on like the Sega Genesis and the early Nintendos being so hard. They really were so difficult. And I mean, games are hard now, don't get me wrong, but like it felt like you could play for hours and then you would lose your three lives and you'd be back at the beginning and you would just hate your life. So there's something about side-scrollers that I just am not super into these days. And maybe it also is because, like, the graphics, I just... I'm kind of a snob because, like, we have such great graphical power at our fingertips. And, like, I mean, I don't want to dig myself into a hole because I don't... Basically, there's just not enough triangles for you. (laughs) Something like that. I mean, I don't want to dig myself into a hole. I play a lot of varied games. So it's not like I always play these amazing 3D technical marvels of a game. But, like, every now and then I'm just... There's so many side-scrollers that come out in a year and they all kind of look the same to me. And not many do something new. But this actually looks like it does something kind of unique. So I'm on board with you. I think this would actually be pretty darn fun to play. So the next game that we kind of wanted to talk about, now this has triangles, not as many triangles, but this has triangles, is Serious Sam 4. And this game will be coming out in August 2020. So Tectic, thoughts on this one? So this game definitely seems more of something up your alley because there is a direct quote of your childhood of young nerd bomber running around her house yelling, die bitch and that was during what were you playing that was unreal tournament. unreal tournament and and this game it looks like a little bit of that and a little bit of doom and looks like something that is definitely your cup of tea well i'll be doing my side scroller i think you'll be blowing up bad guys yeah i i mean i'm just excited to see the franchise back i mean graphics wise it like i said it's not as impressive as a lot of games but this is something that i can see myself having a lot of fun with serious sam games i've always had fun with and it'll just be great to kind of revisit that just crazy shooting funness of of serious sam so really looking forward to this one can't wait for that one to come out in august So the next game that we wanted to touch on really quickly is actually pretty interesting. And Technic, I'll kind of let you talk about this one a little bit because you were so excited. Like your face lit up when this came on the screen. But this game is called Fall Guys coming out on August 4th. Okay, so I hate battle royales because people camp just when you're getting good and, and then you get shot from someone hiding by a tree. And I hate them. But this one, this one's Fall Guys, and 
basically the premise of the game is it's a battle royale ish and what i mean by that is you and your blobby looking guys kind of fall out and you're you're on kind of a carnival all these different moving parts conveyors and you just can't fall off the map no one's hitting anyone it's just you versus a level versus people bumping into each other and it seems like it it'd be one of those where games where really anyone can get into it anyone can play and it just looks like the kind of game that the more you drink while you're playing it, the more ridiculous it would get. And that sounds like a Friday night for me. I could not agree with you more. And especially like the characters, they look super wacky. I definitely think that this will be something that will probably be buying. I could actually probably see us like doing some gameplay recording of us just having a really good time with this game because it just looks wacky and ridiculous and probably the only take on Last Man Standing that I will probably enjoy and not be upset at if I lose. So again, that's coming out August 4th. Looks like a lot of fun. Definitely check that out. And to kind of round out our Devolver Direct coverage here, the last game we want to talk about is Shadow Warrior 3. So this is a return to the series where we see Lo Wang, a kind of modern ninja who has guns and swords and weaponry in a fun, fiery setting with colorful, funny combat. It looks super fast paced. The enemies looked really funny and wacky. And honestly, even the dialogue when we were watching the gameplay, just a great return to form for a really funny, fast paced game super excited about playing this can't wait for this to come out didn't catch a release date on this one yet but i think i'm definitely on board with this i mean i'm getting to the point where i really enjoy humorous type games and this this has that great vibe that i love where there's just nice little quips in the background as you're fighting crazy enemies and it's just something kind of mindless that you can have fun with tactic what did you think of this game yeah my my favorite takeaway from that game was definitely the boss battles every single one looked unique and some even looked weirdly busty which was okay um (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) not okay like okay i mean like like okay like interesting and um it just it looked goofy and silly and and it looked like but it also looked kind of badass because you're leaping off walls and stuff so i'm i'm into it way to go shadow warrior three All right, so that's kind of all of our gaming coverage for this week. We would definitely be interested in hearing what you thought about both of these kind of mini conferences that we've seen. Please hit us up. We're on all of the social medias. We're at Online Warriors One on Twitter with our main account. I'm personally at OW Nerd Bomber, Tectics at OW Tectic. We'd love to hear what games interested you, what you thought of all of the different games. Were there any that you liked, any that you disliked? Are you excited? Are you kind of skeptical? Definitely let us know. I feel like we hyped some of these games a little bit. We didn't really talk about negatives, but that's the fun of E3 season. You kind of get on board with all of the positives and the things that are exciting. And then once the game comes out, you pick it apart to death. (laughs) Um, So before we move on into our next What Are You Up To segment, there is one last piece of news that we did want to quickly cover. And if you are interested in reading or movies, because this topic kind of covered both realms ready player one by ernest klein which became a i want to say it was a blockbuster movie that was 
helmed by Steven Spielberg, is getting a sequel book. And the novel, very smartly called Ready Player Two, is going to be coming out November 24th. And you can pre-order it now. The pre-orders are already out. The cover art is out. It looks more or less in line with the Ready Player One cover art. And I kind of want to know the audience's thoughts and I kind of want to get Tectic's thoughts here. So one of the things that I've seen a lot Initially, my first reaction, I guess, was that I was excited because I really liked Ready Player One. But my history with Ernest Klein is kind of spotty because after Ready Player One came out, he wrote Armada, which to me felt a lot like a rehash of Ender's Game, which is one of my favorite books. I know Orson Scott Card is all over the place lately in terms of like how people view him, but the book itself, Ender's Game, was one of my favorites of all time. And Armada really felt like he took Ender's Game and gave it the Ready Player One treatment in terms of all of these different 80s and pop culture reference. And so it kind of felt like he was a one-trick pony. I don't know yet how I feel about Ready Player Two. As I said, my first reaction was, I am excited. My second reaction was, is this just going to be more of the same? Do I need this? And I'm kind of wondering, and I've seen speculation, that this book doesn't necessarily even need a sequel, but part of the reason it's getting a sequel is because of the movie. And obviously we know that once something gets set in motion in industry, in the nerd realm, and it looks like it might make money, it will continue to stay in motion. And I know some of the actors are already signed on for a sequel. Do you think that this book needs a sequel? And do you think that the movie is the only thing driving it forward? Or do we think that Ernest Klein actually has a story left to tell? So I, I'm really glad that you asked, do you think it needs a sequel? And the reason why is because in Ready Player One, I felt that they wrapped it up perfectly. He got to the, he solved the puzzle in the game. He got what he needed. He made it a better world. Everybody lived happily ever after. And... To, to kind of change that on me, right? Because for there to be a sequel, someone didn't live happily ever after. Don't do that to me. Just let me sleep happy and know that everyone's just having a good old time. That's where I'm at. I mean, I can definitely see where you're coming from because, yeah, I think the first book did wrap up really nicely. I, I don't think I walked away from it thinking to myself, I desperately need a sequel to this book. And while the world was interesting and I would love to revisit it, I guess, I'm worried that it will tarnish kind of like the memory and the wholesomeness that I enjoyed from Ready Player One. Because it felt like, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I remember even when we were reading the book, because I believe it came out when we were still doing our old website and podcast, nerdbomber.com, and it was like, Ready Player One was like this nerd juggernaut where everyone seemed like they were reading it, everyone could bond over it. It was kind of like the book equivalent of Game of Thrones at the time. And I would just hate to see that sullied by just an unnecessary sequel. But I guess we shall see. That's coming out in November. You can pre-order it now if you want. Wait for reviews. I don't know. Let me know if you're excited or not, because I'm still like I'm on the edge. There's part of me that is, part of me that's not. And I think, Tactic, you might be right there with me. So we're now moving into our What Are You Up To Wednesdays segment. And Tactic has been out for two weeks now, 
and has a decent amount to update us on. So I'm going to toss it over to Tectic to let us know. What have you been up to, Tectic? I've been up to quite a bit, and uh, I'm glad you hit me first because you can just kind of nudge me if I start to take too long. Um, so I was out last week, and the reason was because I had a really questionable interaction with my neighbor who is potentially a high-risk person carrying COVID. So to keep everyone in my home safe, I quarantined myself downstairs and got to reading. So I finished my Beartown book, which is a hockey story. Really, really good book. I recommend it. And then I also am just about done with Watership Down. It's a bunny about books. Apparently, both of these books were required reading in a bunny about books. A book about bunnies. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. The Adventures no. of Bunnies. It's a bunny about books. I love it. <laughs> Apparently, both of these books were required readings in school, my friends have told me. And I am disappointed in my high school because I have never read any of these books until recently. The other things that I've been doing, which is kind of fun, this was after I got out of my, got my test results to relieve myself of quarantine is I started pickling pickles and various other things, which is really exciting because I've never had a successful pickle anything because I tried to do quick pickles, which don't really soak up the vinegar well. So now I'm going to do the full two-week stint and see if these bad boys work out. The other fun thing is pickling red onions, and those are a great addition to tacos, which all of you know I love tacos. And I feel like I've been done up to so much more. I got one more thing that I'm just going to tell you, but... And the rest will just be, over time, it might click. But the last thing is, I am a aggressive evening snacker. So, in order to get sustenance while I was in quarantine, Nerd Bomber would bring down various meals to me and I would eat to minimize interactions. But how do I snack if I can't go upstairs to the kitchen? Well, I will tell you. Oh, are you serious? Hold on. You had... The biggest snack pile. You had so much ramen. You had so much fun snack. But I can't make the ramen from down there. That's a good point. That's, I didn't think that's that's the fun part. <laughs> you could just be gnawing on <laughs> raw ramen. So I got I got myself a whole uh, grilling mess kit thing with a with a uh, propane stove, and I was literally chilling, kicking back outside, cooking up ramen and all sorts of different snacky things at weird hours of the night. So it was kind of an interesting experience, kind of fun. Um, my neighbors probably think I'm insane, but hey, it was it was a good time. So once you did get out of quarantining yourself, one of the other things that we did was watch a lot of movies. And so what I would like to focus my What Are You Up To Wednesday segment on are two movies, and we'll probably have a little bit of back and forth discussion about them. It, the first one was Guns Akimbo, and this one, it's on Amazon Prime, streaming for free if you have that service. I believe it came out this year in 2020. It stars Daniel Radcliffe, based off a comic book, and it's a very, very, very colorful and gory movie. It's an action movie, and it doesn't really take itself super seriously. Basically, the idea behind the entire movie, if you have, if you don't know what it is, um, there's basically a madman who takes criminals and pits them against each other in real life, or he'll, he will kill them and streams it for the entire world to watch on the internet. And so Daniel Radcliffe's character is kind of like an angsty keyboard warrior, and he goes into the chat rooms on the streaming site and starts kind of just like, going after trolls 
So they ping his IP, they find him in his apartment, they kidnap him, and then they literally bolt two handguns to both of his hands. And they pit him up against a really ruthless killer and basically say, okay, you've got 24 hours to kill her or we will kill you and we will kill your girlfriend. And so it's just very action-packed. Daniel Radcliffe is obviously a very reluctant action hero. He doesn't want to really engage in anything. He tries to run away and it's a lot of fun. I don't know what I expected. I mean, it's not like the best movie of the year, but I would say it was very entertaining for what it was. I I would agree with that statement. It was a good movie. The one thing I didn't like about it, and I'm not going to provide any spoilers, but basically the end alludes to there being a sequel. And it was just one of those movies where it's more of a one and done. Everyone lived happily ever after the end. And then I'd be happy. Stop doing sequels, guys. I don't know if I would say they live happily ever after. No spoilers. (laughs) I mean, he had guns bolted to his hands. Your hands are going to be messed up, man. There's nothing you can do about that. So... That was an interesting movie to watch. Definitely, like I said, if you want some colorful, action-y fun, definitely not a bad way to go. There's a lot of like dry humor in there, too. So, entertaining. The other movie that we watched was Palm Springs, which debuted on Hulu this week. That stars Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti, I believe. And essentially, you've probably seen the previews by now. It's been a very well-advertised movie. But essentially, Andy Samberg is attending a wedding and he gets trapped in an infinite time loop. And then Kristen Milioti meets him and accidentally follows him into this infinite time loop. And it basically it's a rom-com slash kind of very semi-deep existential movie about what it means to keep living in this time loop where things don't really matter and how you find the things that do matter and honestly felt a little on point considering it feels like COVID life is a lot like living in a time loop where every day kind of feels the same. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I really like both of those actors and I thought it was a very just heartfelt good movie. Very deep though. I agree. I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was really lighthearted up until I was reflecting on the movie that evening when they were so throughout the movie, they, they they drew this this time loop to quantum physics, saying that they're they keep reliving alternate timelines, basically. Which means at first you're like, oh, their decisions don't matter; they could do whatever. No, which means all the crazy stuff they did happened in a different timeline. So there was a lot of weird, depressing timelines that they created, which makes this movie much darker than it needs to be. Yeah, they don't stop thinking about that. They don't touch on that really in the movie at all. That was like something that we had been discussing after the movie. But yeah, the fact that to them, because they were regenerated every day, they didn't really have any repercussions. Yeah, they didn't perceive those timelines at all. But, I mean, all of the crazy, messed up stuff that they were doing to just kind of pass the time did have repercussions. So, yeah, it it was like one of those weird mind-bending movies where you walk away from it and you really... There's a lot to think about. And I think that's pretty impressive, especially for a rom-com, because most of the rom-coms that I watch, and I'm a big proponent of rom-coms, I don't think the world has enough of them at the moment. I think we all need some good, lighthearted comedy every now and then. And... This is one of those movies that just kind of stuck with you a little bit longer after the movie ended. 
definitely a very good movie. Totally recommend it. It deserves a lot of the hype that it's been given. I think it won awards at Sundance, so definitely recommend it. With that, we are going to take a turn into our trivia to end the episode. So, this week's topic is Raspberry Pi slash Arduino. Before we get into the quiz topic, I do want to ask, can you give the audience a little very brief crash course on a Raspberry Pi and an Arduino and what the difference is? Both are microcontrollers. However, the Raspberry Pi has more processing power to basically run an, an, an operating system there. That was actually very succinct and very perfect, considering I just kind of threw that at you without really giving you any warning whatsoever that I was going to do that. Okay, so the way that we're going to do this, we are going to play higher or lower. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six questions here. If you get four out of the six questions right, you win the game. This is kind of how we did this last week. Well, when you win, you end up getting to host. So whether you like hosting or not, I guess it's a prize. But you lost in your hosting. That's true, but illegal is on vacation, so I don't know. The what prize is that I don't get laughed at by you, by you listeners. Yes. So I will be keeping a tally here, and essentially, I'm going to give you a false number, and you have to tell me if the real number is higher or lower. Okay. Let's get started. So the release year of the first Raspberry Pi was 2009. Is the actual year higher or lower? It's lower. All right. So you did not get that one right. The first Raspberry Pi was actually released in 2012. So it feels like it's around longer. Okay. So the, we'll move into the next one then. What was the release date of the first Arduino? I'm going to tell you it was in 2004. Higher. You got that one. It was 2005. I didn't really give you a lot of margin for error there, there, but you did. So yeah, the Arduino has actually been around much longer than the Raspberry Pi. And the Arduino was actually developed as a method to teach students. So the Raspberry Pi, since its inception, has had a lot of different variants and models. You've had the Raspberry Pi. You've had the Raspberry Pi, I think, two, three, and now we're on to four. And within each of those different versions of the Raspberry Pi, there have also been individual models. So how many models of the Raspberry Pi currently exist? I'm going to give you a number of 16, higher or lower? Lower. All right, you are right. There are 14 current models of the Raspberry Pi. On average, you have about three to four different models of each iteration of the Raspberry Pi. So good job. Right now you have one point. You have to basically win out the next three questions. You should have two points. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. My B. You have two points. And you should you don't have to win out. I'm just bad at counting. That's fine. Okay. So by December twenty nineteen, a total of 21 million Raspberry Pis had been sold. Is the actual number higher or lower? Oh, it's higher. All right, so you are correct again. 30 million Raspberry Pis had been sold by December 2019. I'm on the subreddit. Gosh. Sorry, sorry. I know you you actually do frequent a lot of the Raspberry Pi and Arduino forms. So the next question then, 
is as of 2013, and I'm sorry, this is the latest date that I could find, there were 1.2 million official Arduino boards sold to users, higher or lower. 1.2? 1.2 million. It's got to be higher as well. Okay, so that one is actually wrong. As of 2013, at least, and obviously that was seven years ago, but that was the most up-to-date number I could find, only 700,000 official Arduino boards were registered in end-user hands. Oh, registered. See, I didn't register any of mine. Well, I mean, I think that also counted sales. Technical verbalities. That didn't make any sense. Doesn't matter. Moving on to the next question. You currently have three points. If you get this one wrong, you technically lose. No pressure whatsoever. I win or lose. So, what was the original sales target for the Raspberry Pi? Was it 5,000 units, higher or lower? Higher. All right, so you are correct. You do win. So, Raspberry Pi anticipated selling 10,000 units. That's it? That's it. When it first came out, they did not know how big of a reach it would have, and they vastly underestimated. In fact, the Raspberry Pi sold out immediately and caused a giant back order, which took them quite a while to fill all of the demand. And even now, sometimes when the new models of the Raspberry Pi come out, there is immediate sellouts sometimes, depending on which model it is. So, with that being said, you have won the quiz. You are going to be our gracious host for next week's quiz. And I do want to point out, while Ben did take or pick this quiz topic, there's also an exciting link between this quiz topic and some new content that will be dropping today. Yes, today. So, Technic has been working on this new series of kind of tinkering videos on our YouTube channel called Tinkering with Technic. And the very first episode dropped for our Patreon subscribers actually two weeks ago on the first of the month. And now after the two-week early access window, it will be dropping live for the rest of you today. So if you want to learn about object detection, that's the video. Yeah, so head on over to our YouTube channel. You can find the link if you go to our link tree or if you just go to onlinewarriorspodcast.com. We have a link to the YouTube channel there. Check it out if you're interested in Raspberry Pi stuff. Tectic has a few more of these videos in the hopper. He's planning on doing a little bit of a mini series moving forward. And any any thoughts on that? Any last plugs? They will be coming out one video monthly. And as I maybe get more support, maybe I'll increase that. But as of now, stuff is expensive. So one video a month is all you're getting. All right. So we appreciate you guys joining us for this episode of the Online Warriors podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in every week. We have the best audience and online community that we could ask for. If you guys want to support us and you don't have the means to monetarily support us, please consider dropping us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or something like Podchaser. Lots of different platforms. Reviews warm our hearts. Thank you again. And we will see you next week with a full crew for our 100th episode. Woo!